Riot Out Loud, a podcast by Chasing the Rainbows, with your host, Bernice Quisenberry. This week's episode is with Tara Lipinski, known for being the youngest gold medal winner of the Winter Olympic Games in 1998 for figure skating and is now a TV broadcaster. Tara, we can't thank you enough for coming on here and opening up the dialogue for other infertility and baby loss survivors to feel validated, heard, and seen. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. And our purpose today is to share your story with our listeners. And for those survivors who are on here who may not know who you are, can you share a little bit more about yourself? Yes. I am an athlete that won the Olympic Games in 1998 in figure skating. And then I moved into my next career as a broadcaster and commentator analyst for NBC um, with my partner in crime, Johnny Weir. And my most recent title is that of a mom after a long five-year infertility journey with pregnancy loss, endometriosis, sort of every obstacle, you know, you could face. Um, we faced, you know, quite a few of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for opening up your heart and, and sharing that with us. And, you know, dive in a little bit more. We'd love to hear all about how you met your husband and, you know, your beginning of your love story. Yeah. So Todd and I met in 2015. He is a director and a producer. And I was at the sports Emmys with NBC um, presenting some Emmys. And he won um, one of those sports Emmys. And I actually handed him um, the trophy. And we didn't really meet that night. But later, there was a connection where his aunt, Chris Jansing, who works for NBC, um, emailed me because I was living in New York at the time. And I was uh, friends with Chris. And she said, oh, my goodness, that's my nephew. You guys should um, connect. He lives in LA because I was splitting my time. And um, that's where it all began. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, I love it. And, you know, being so in love and starting to have, you know, when you guys decided to get married, starting to have those conversations about wanting to have a family, can you share what it was like at the beginning of your journey with that? You know, for us, we kind of met later in life and got married. I was 34 and we really in the beginning just thought, oh, like, let's have time just Todd and Tara and not think about kids. And that's where we began. And, you know, I talk about it on our podcast, uh, Unexpecting, that I didn't really think ahead. I didn't know much about fertility. And I wasn't really planning in the way that we probably should have been, just knowing that age is a factor. Um, and we then eventually started talking about it and trying to plan it around some of my work obligations. You know, I have an Olympic Games every two and four years. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, my main gig. So I've got to be there. Um, so <laughs> we decided to, um, before we even started trying, we decided to go through IVF just because we thought with our age, this is a good uh, way to get um, some indication of if we're okay or not, and also um, be able to have that insurance um, just because we had waited so long. So we started the process of IVF before even trying. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. And your podcast, like you said, unexpected and seeing you on the Today Show in October and, you know, other shows since, um, and it's so powerful because you're opening up the conversation around the taboos, the misconceptions of fertility loss, but also being open and honest to those that are on the journey right now. You know, they're feeling like they're not alone and isolated. Can you share more on you and your husband's five-year journey and what it was like, especially with the added pressure of being in the public eye? For for the two of us, we had kind of kept this to ourselves, obviously. Uh, our friends, yeah. our family, our inner circle knew, but we had kept this private and it wasn't something that I spoke about publicly um, until we did the podcast. And, you know, that can be very isolating. Um, infertility and yeah. pregnancy loss in general is, is isolating and completely life-changing and you know, life altering to begin with. And I think for us finally being able to do this podcast and talk about what our life actually has been like, it felt like we were finally um, sharing the secret that we kept for so long. And then also being able to, um, you know, connect with this community that I was already a part of, you know, I had a fake Instagram account where I would follow all of these people going through their own infertility journeys to make me feel less alone. I wasn't interacting with them um, because I, I had a fake account, but yeah. Yeah. now it, it feels so rewarding and it feels that I'm creating these connections and bonds with women and people um, in this community. And that has been the, probably the most beautiful thing that's come out of the podcast itself. Well, absolutely. Because this is not a community that you ever want to be a part of. You know, it's it's not yeah. like you go into this journey. But then when you are, it is like the people here are just so beautiful. And I mean, just so selfless. And and they understand what you're going through. And you just feel the sense of connection to them. And you it's really true. Do. Yes. Anyone who's walked yeah. in, in the shoes of infertility or pregnancy loss, you may not know them. They may be a stranger, but you definitely have an instant, instant bond and connection absolutely. through that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So your five years of losses, the highs and lows, the at-home testing, you know, doctor's appointments, procedures. Um, it's a lot emotionally, mentally, physically, financially on someone and, you know, what a couple goes through. And what are some of the things that you did while you were going through it to keep you going? Uh, you know, it's hard. It's, it's just kind of figuring out what personally works for you. I started therapy, which was really helpful to talk through all these feelings, especially when I was experiencing pregnancy loss. I worked with a fertility acupuncturist, which, um, for me was really great. And anyone in LA, I'll shout her out, Danica Thornberry. She <laughs> really was able to, um, help me on this journey, not just through the acupuncture portion, which was nice to do and, and gave me a place to relax for an hour, you know, that week, whether yeah. I was going through treatment. Um, but it was a place to talk to someone who was really knowledgeable about this field of IVF and infertility. She herself had gone through um, her own infertility journey. And it was someplace that I could release all of those fears. And um, also just learn ways to control what I could control, which was obviously very little, but, you know, learning yeah. patience and acceptance and sitting more in the feminine of just letting this process sometimes just happen to you and yeah. trying to control things through, you know, self-care was what she was, was really able to offer me through, um, her acupuncture sessions that I had with her. So I think it really just depends on what, gives you a little 
piece, what gives you a, a, a little time away from thinking or scheduling appointments or doing shots or worrying about next steps. Absolutely. And like you said, because you have no control during the whole process and it is a lot because every month is a constant reminder. It's a loss, you know, and as you're going through it and everything, it's like, okay, what can you take control of? So I love that self-care piece because that is something, you know, that you can hold on to and make sure that you're doing, you know, during this whole thing. Cause I feel like, you know, getting lost in yourself, getting lost in the whole process, it, it happens. You lose your identity almost. Yeah, you, your life becomes infertility and procedures and appointments yes. and thinking about what's next or how, how to get through, you know, the current failure or loss. And you really forget that you're at the center of this. Absolutely. No, that's, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that Tara. And, you know, one of the most heartbreaking and heart shattering things that we hear in our daily support groups and our mentorships is when a survivor is enduring, you know, years of fertility loss and they're on a journey to start a family, their IVF, IUI, whatever it kind of looks like for them. And in the end, they don't end up with a baby. They can't carry their own. Um, like how did you and Todd get to a point of considering, considering surrogacy and then ultimately making that decision? For us, it just naturally happened. You know, when we started IVF and we started running into issues, I and pregnancy loss, I I never thought that surrogacy was going to be our journey. It was something that, you know, quite frankly, I didn't want to do. I wanted to carry my baby. And it was something for me that was really hard to wrap my mind around. But what's incredible is when you go through such loss and pain for so many years, you get to the point where you are not thinking about the journey or thinking about yourself as much. And I think, you know, the pregnancy was really for me. You know, I wanted to right. experience it. It's not like my daughter, G Georgie, now will, you know, remember yeah. the days in utero. You know, <laughs> it was for exactly. me. It was, it was for me. And I think I finally let that little piece go where I realized I'm fighting and I'm delaying our life and I'm losing these precious embryos where, you know, we've we lost six embryos that were genetically normal and tested. And I think about that daily of who they would have been. And um, I realized, what am I doing? I'm doing the same thing over and over again for an experience that I want so badly, which I think is definitely fair. But it really got to the point after the fourth miscarriage where it was a physically draining one. It, it lasted a long time. I went through bleeding, which caused me to become anemic, which took me a while to figure out why I was physically feeling so bad. Um, and then I started to worry about myself a little bit where, you know, you usually don't when you're in the throes of infertility. You're just thinking about the potential baby and you'll do anything. You'll do anything and take any medicine that they tell you. Um, but it was the first time that I had the, I, the thought that was just, oh, I hope I'm okay. You know, I hope that yeah. physically I'm okay. And, uh, that sort of coincided with us, you know, we had tested almost everything, um, over five years. My doctor always says, I tested you more than any other patient and they really couldn't find anything wrong. Um, so we finally went to reproductive immunology, which is usually kind of that last step, um, yeah. And we tested and we kind of came back for the first time with a result that wasn't great. Um, and that Todd and I, when they tested our genetics, our, it's in the weeds, but our HLA, our genetics um, 
are such that my immune system sees his genetics in the embryo and um, reacts or overreacts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is why my pregnancies, um, from what we can tell and talking to Dr. Vidali, who I did this um, testing with, you know, you never really know, right? Like who knows yeah. exactly why, but all four of our miscarriages were to the T exactly the same. I had these rashes. I had the same sort of um, beta number issues and it really was pointing to um, an immunology uh, finding. So there were, you know, we talked to him and there were some treatments like IVIG and, and immunology drugs that I could take and do a protocol for, but I think I was so tired at that point. And, you know, IVIG is, is no joke. It's, it's a no. blood product of, you know, thousands of people that you're you know, infusing in your body weekly. And I just felt at this point where I think from the last miscarriage, I was thinking a little bit more of, you know, we want a family, but I also want to be healthy and <laughs> to, exactly. to, um, feel like myself. So, we decided that surrogacy was going to be the the best option at that point. Right. And, you know, when you lose a baby, it is so, well, I should speak for myself, you know, it was traumatic, you know, losing our daughter and, and going through that. And, you know, you going through it four times, those reoccurring losses when they're happening, you know, you're grieving and it is so difficult. Like, you know, I just, uh, like a pillar of strength, like to keep going because, I mean, loss is just horrific as it is. And then on top of it, having this journey, you know, it is a lot. And then to process everything that you're getting, all this news on top of it. Yeah, loss in general is hard. You know, anyone who goes through a miscarriage, it's it's a pain that is so oh. unique. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I probably thought before, oh, miscarriage is sad and awful, but I'll be okay. I'll, you know, it might feel yeah. like this. It might just feel sad for this reason. But um, I was not ready for the feelings of, of a miscarriage um, and what that felt like and just all the sort of spiraling and effects of what a miscarriage does emotionally and mentally to you. But, um, you know, then on top of that, once it becomes a repeat loss um, and it continues to happen, there is something that um, becomes very traumatizing about repeating the same loss over and over again. Um, and I don't know if I'll ever truly, I, hopefully I'm healing from all those things, but you know, I don't think I could ever forget or, you know, go back to the person I was before, you know, losing those five girls and one little boy, you know, that is, you know, something that I will kind of carry with me. Um, and hopefully heal from through therapy and, um, yes family now, but it, it is still so difficult. It is. And it's not talked about, you know, these are like silent losses, especially with miscarriage right. and almost like our society doesn't understand, you know, how it is, but it's those hopes, it's those dreams and then living a life because a parent doesn't outlive their child. So when right. that happens, it completely disrupts the whole biological timeline and it really does shatter your whole entire world. Correct. And then you're living through it, you know, silently because miscarriage yes. isn't talked about that much or, you know, it's so great to know that it's common, but I think, you know, sometimes people's responses are, oh, lots of women go through it, which is true. You don't want to feel alone, but it, a throwaway comment like that doesn't mean that it's still not an intense and um, incredibly painful loss that you're, you're actually grieving. And, and I think people yeah. just don't understand. I mean, women and people go back to work 
you know, or work through pregnancy loss. And, you know, I, I think that that's really difficult. Um, and it's probably because people don't talk about it enough and, and, and how it impacts you emotionally, mentally, physically. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I think it's, you know, generations before us, and that's kind of how they were meant to feel when they went into their doctor's office and found out they were having a miscarriage that, you know, you continue to put one foot in front of the other. And well, that's, you know, why we started the daily support, because it's like, how can you return to everyday life after we just went through and lost our baby? Like it doesn't like this just can't it be. Makes sense. Correct. It it's does just, not. It's just so it's, it's so difficult to wake up and you have you you came so close you already were connecting you already oh. were envisioning and you know especially um for us it was so you know it, it took so long the process takes so long for mm -hmm. IVF and going through retrievals and testing and preparing for a transfer so you get your hopes up so high and then you know they come crashing down again and you just don't know where to look you don't know where to turn you don't know um, what the answer is. And it's, it's a very hopeless place. It really is. And it's that whirlwind of events. Cause you just don't even like, like you said, where do I go? What do I do? Because you're right. in the chaos, but the world continues to keep moving as you're right. like right here, you know, right. with it all. Yes. I know it's a lot to, to take in. So, you know, and I think there's so many different aspects of it, you know, for Todd, he was there trying to support me, but oh, you know, yeah. his life was changing too. And everything was on hold. And we were just waiting to get into this next phase of life that, you know, a baby is not guaranteed. So it's, right. it's terrifying when you start going through loss and then it, it keeps happening. You just start to believe, oh, maybe I'm just not meant to be a mom. I know. I know. And to be in that place, like you said, is just like hopeless. And you do, you feel like that isolation and then it almost gets you to revert back and not talk about, you know, or open up. So. Right. You just uh, think, well, I don't, I don't even want to bring this up. I don't even yes. want, you know, I don't even want to have to have people pity me or wonder what's wrong with me. You know, there's, there's so many emotions, but then at the same time, it, you need support and it's, yes. You know, pregnancy loss is one of those things that I find so interesting and I understand why people keep it, um, you know, to themselves for a while because having to tell people when you do lose a pregnancy is really painful and really sad. But it is interesting always to me that it's really one of the only medical diagnoses that you get um, or sorry, it's one of the only things in medicine or, you know, in science that you, you go through, you, you, you get a positive pregnancy test, but you are expected not to share it until 12 yeah. weeks because you don't want anyone to know. And it's, exactly. it's, it's so isolating in itself of just the way tradition has been with pregnancy and what I think, you know, people might feel shame about. And yep. um, you hope that that changes where, where it does become a place where you're not afraid to to tell people because you know that you'll have the support there and you know that you won't feel shame or um, feel Wait. judged in any way. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I really hope that as, yes, we continue on, that this does start to really get like some light shedded on it, you know, between you know, our two podcasts and, and different things. Absolutely. Um, you know, how, so what was the surrogacy journey like for you and how did it all happen? One second, I'm just plugging this in because I'm losing power. Yeah. 
Um, the surrogacy journey, um, you know, it was something that I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know how to go about it. I didn't know, you know, how does this even work? And it was a learning experience, but it really was something that for me in the end was one of the more beautiful parts of our journey. And it was hopeful. And there was connection between me and my surrogate. And there was the, um, the beautiful, you know, 10 months that we journeyed to Georgie together. And, um, I look back now and I wish that I went to surrogacy earlier, um, to maybe, you know, stop down and, and, and realize that this option is, there's no shame around this option. This option is if you, if you're able to do it, it's, it's really, it can be really beautiful and it can be the answer or the missing puzzle piece to your journey. And every day I just think I'm so grateful that I'm able to have gone on this journey because surrogacy, IVF, it's so expensive. And we were able to, you know, continue treatment or be able to go down the road of a surrogate. And for me now, I really am trying so hard to get back to the community, whether it's through, you know, companies that will give out fertility grants or, you know, I'm working with Baby Quest right now and we have a Tara Lipinski giving campaign um, where we're trying to raise money for people who need IVF treatment or surrogacy. Um, I've worked with Hope for Fertility. So we are really trying, um, Todd and I, to to find ways to um, help people or couples that, you know, have been on our journey and still want to continue to to try to build the family that of their dreams. Absolutely. Yeah. We um, tried to do this June World Infertility Challenge last year and we did it and we were doing crack an egg because, you know, grocery store eggs are infertile. And so, the, you know, you crack an egg on your head for every day in June and calling out six people because one in six across our world are living with infertility. And I think that's the thing, like, you know, it is what's happening and, you know, it's common that people are living and it's like, how do you go about it? And not all states it's covered in, you know, with health insurance and things like that. It's really devastating. It's it's crazy to think. I mean, I think it goes along with other things in in women's reproductive health, but the fact that this is a medical diagnosis and this is something that isn't covered, um, insurance is just really hard to wrap your mind around. It is because any other organ, if it's not working correctly, it is covered and this isn't. And it's like, it comes down to having funding or not having funding to have a family. And it just like is mind blowing. Yeah, I know. It's the most, it's the most heartbreaking part of it. Of course, the loss and the failures are devastating, but just not having the hope or having the opportunity is even more devastating. I know. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah. And, and with that, you know, like you said, you welcomed your beautiful daughter, Georgie, into the world. And those emotions, you know, us law survivors have when we hold our rainbow babies for the first time in our arms is just an unexplainable feeling. Um, and do you feel like, though, your journey, I mean, it shaped you as a parent, changed who you are and your outlook on life. It just, you know, going through everything to get to Georgie. Yeah, I think it's completely changed me as a person, as a person, yeah. as a parent, as, you know, a wife. It's just, it's completely turned my life upside down. And, you know, I think that I've become a different person over the last five years. And some of it is, you know, pain that I wish that I I never experienced or 
you know, won't carry with me for the rest of my life. But in other ways, you know, it's brought Todd and I very close. Um, we've learned so much about each other that we're now bringing those tools into parenthood together for our relationship. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, the level of gratitude. I know that, you know, probably any person out there listening that has a child and has not gone through infertility they would say they're so grateful for their child because of course children are these beautiful miracles, whatever journey you're on. But I do think there is um, this next level of gratitude you feel um, after long journeys, after infertility, IVF treatments, after pregnancy loss. And I think that that's something that, you know, at this point I'm, I'm, I'm almost, enjoying so much because that level of gratitude makes parenting for me right now um, so beautiful. No matter how tired I am, no matter how loud she'll cry in my ear, no matter how many times she poops on me, I'm almost <laughs> laughing in this delirious, tired joy. Nothing about this um, do I take for granted. So I think that I am lucky for that because I do think, you know, having children is a big life change. Your life changes overnight. Um, but our life changed overnight five years ago and we didn't have a baby. So now I realize how lucky we are to have our life be changed in every way. So yeah. um, that has been a, a really nice positive to, you know, the result of, of pregnancy loss and um, infertility. Absolutely. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Tara. Yeah. I mean, I I just can't thank you enough for coming on our podcast, being genuine and honest for our listeners on your journey, and really opening the eyes to others around us with these topics to help survivors who are in the thick of it right now. Um, is there anything that you want to share or any advice that you want to leave our listeners with? I mean, that was great too, what you just shared. So I think it's hard to give advice because, you know, I definitely didn't know what I was doing and I don't know if I have any answers of how to get through um, pregnancy loss. And I think grief is obviously so unique, but I would say, you know, for me at least to feel all the feelings and go through the the waves that um, loss and grief present itself is probably, you know, so personal and it's okay to have all the feelings that you're feeling. And I think for anyone just in the midst of a infertility journey or pregnancy loss, I, I think for me, it wasn't even advice of how to get through it, but just to feel seen because I felt so alone and I felt like people really didn't understand the pain of pregnancy loss or really repeat pregnancy loss, which was the hardest for me, you know, to have so many of them. Um, and I think that, you know, anyone listening you know, I hope they know that at least I see you and hear you and know what you're going through and, you know, just know how incredibly strong you are to be able to pick yourself up um, and and get through this type of pain because it's, it's really not easy. And I think, like I said, unless you walk down an infertility or loss road, um, you don't realize how unique that pain is. And then on top of it, as we talk about the isolation, the silence around the subject, um, it really, at the end of the day, um, it's one of the more, you know, when I look back on getting through pregnancy loss, I realize it's 
probably those moments in my life that I think I was the strongest. So, you know, and I've been through, you know, an Olympic games and nothing can compare. So really anyone who's listening out there, just know how strong you are and how proud you should be to, um, to be getting through, you know, a journey like this. Cause it's, you know, I, I always feel bad when I say, oh, it's unfair, you know, because there's so many unfair things in life, but this does really feel unfair in the moment. And it feels, you know, like someone is specifically choosing you to go through this pain. And it doesn't make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. because you just see so many people having, you know, fine pregnancies and and (laughs) all around, (laughs) all around. And you just wonder, like, what kind of unicorn are they? Like, I don't understand. Yes. Um, so believe me, I, if you're in it, I, I know um, I know all those feelings and I'm really rooting for you and, and praying that the road becomes easier or easier and that you, you know, you find your destination wherever that may be. And I think sometimes it's not always about, um, you know, quote unquote, success of a a pregnancy that results in a live birth. I think that there's so many people that need to be acknowledged too that go down this path and, you know, realize that this is just not um, the life that they want to continue. And maybe living a child-free life is their success. And, is you know, they've learned through their journey that that's what they need to do next um, to be happy and to live a more fulfilling life. So, um, you know, after you go through infertility, you, you definitely want to try to acknowledge all the people yeah. out there. Oh, well, thank you so much, Tara. And it does, it truly means the world to have you here on our podcast. Um, I can't, you know, tell our listeners enough to go over and listen to the unexpected. Uh, it's a great podcast speaks open and broadly about different stages of infertility. It's just wonderful. And it's beautiful. So uh, thank you, Tara. Yeah. Yeah. And um, please follow and share our podcast to help us reach as many fertility loss, miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss survivors as we can with our daily support services. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, Tara.